and welcome to episode 143 of Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to our second multi-guest show. We'll be hearing from four world-class musicians, pianist Sumi Lee from San Francisco, California, bandoneon player Alex Krebs based in Portland, Oregon, bass player Pablo Lanoguer in New York City, and once again, cellist Maxfield Wallen Fisher from Washington, D.C. So I'm recording this intro after we wrapped up our discussion. We had a fun and informative talk about modern tango music, and we learned a bit about their personal experiences as well. Enjoy the show. All right, you ready? Great. Well, thank you all so much for uh, for being here, and uh, welcome to all of those who are watching on the live stream. So if you're if you guys happen to switch over to the Facebook live stream, there's a little bit of a delay, so maybe best to keep focused on Zoom. So. Uh, we don't get tripped out. Yeah. So really quick. Um, yeah. So this will be, we'll talk a little, of course, a lot about music, modern tango music, how that's evolving, the state of contemporary music. And also uh, I want to leave some time for, you know, personal experiences and that kind of thing is I, I feel that they're either aspiring musicians or tango fans out there who are, you know, going to be hearing a lot of really good stuff from all of you. So uh, I want to start off really quick, assuming when we were in contact, uh, you were, talking about uh, some really interesting that you've, things you've seen going on in Buenos Aires. I'm sure you all are familiar with uh, this interesting thing called metal tango. Now, when I first heard of that, I kind of, you know, because I'm sort of stuck in the dance world. So I'm still, you know, one foot in all the classics. And then I didn't realize there's all this really wonderful stuff going on in, uh, in, in all this creative stuff. So metal tango, I kind of start off with that. What, what exactly is that? Okay, I'm classically trained pianist. So what I discovered was a traditional tango from the States. And I just couldn't figure out how to create the sound that I was listening from uh, Spotify. Mm -hmm. And I met many uh, tango musicians here. I'm fairly new, you know, I don't, I didn't dance. I I didn't dance when I discovered tango music. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go to Buenos Aires and I took an audition to study with this, with a group of excellent maestros and uh, students. And mm-hmm. Orquestra La Orquesta Escuela de Tango, Emilio Balcar said. Mm-hmm. And um, they actually only teach traditional tango wow. um, and a little bit of contemporary. Contemporary means like uh, Balcar said or like a Victor Lavashen type of contemporary tango. Mm-hmm. But when I was living there, I lived there for two years. Mm-hmm. And um, I also discover all different type of tango. Yeah. Uh, you, you cannot dance. I mean, I dance to it, but right. most of them complain. So, um, some of the music that I saw, there are many, many different categories. I can go about it for hours because right, I, I was fascinated right. by so many different varieties of the tango music there. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I call it like a metal tango or rock tango, okay. for example. There are very big, uh, famous um, groups called uh, like Astillero. Okay. It's, it's um, lead by Julian Peralta. I call it like, kind of like a pop tango or okay. rock, tango, rock tango. And it's very um, interesting and I like it a lot. Um, but most of his audiences are not dancers. They're in 20s and 30s. I see. Very hip. And mm. when you go to this big, big uh, theater, uh, music theater, it's filled, like mm-hmm. filled with all these young people who okay. would 
probably wouldn't listen to this old traditional tango, which mm -hmm. they call it is boring. Only <laughs> my grandparents listen to it. Yeah. Whenever I hear this traditional tango, tango, oh, I don't want to. I, I I get allergic reactions. And then these young people go to listen to this uh, rock tango, mm -hmm. and they love it, and it's filled. Okay. Um, and there's another group called um, Fernandez Fierro that I call it metal tango. Okay. When you hear it, it, it sounds very much metal and they repeat like eight measures and 16 measures of very hard, heavy mm -hmm. uh, chords and the rhythm. And okay. there's melody, but it's not so lyrical. Okay. So you, it's so good. And then if you... <laughs> And in certain uh, environment, you will enjoy it very much. Like nice. it, it remind me going like techno clubs sometimes okay. when okay. I listen to them. Cool. And there's another group called the uh, Rascasuelo, mm -hmm. and I like this group very very much. Um, it's very contemporary. Um, they use bandoneon and this typical formation of tango as a new music. I think I as a as a vehicle to play new music and they were the first and very first very first uh, tango group from argentina who played at a lincoln center three years nice. ago four years ago nice. and the rest of you have you all had also experience with uh, metal tango or well it's the first time i've heard the word metal tango i know kachivache <laughs> sort of coined their yeah. punk tango brand mm -hmm. uh, but <laughs> i personally love astiger i love julian peralta's work it's not geared for dancing, but mm -hmm. I played it at some alternative milongas. I think it's, when I listen to it, it's really, um, I feel like, whereas maybe traditional tango uh, was based around this feeling in general of, of nostalgia. I mean, of course, other things too, it's a lot more broad than, than that. But, mm -hmm. but Astiger, I think, captures the modern, uh, like, sentiment or ethos of, like, of angst. Like, people, you know, it's like, political problems there's there's just there's a lot of angst or or anger and and it's not because people are displaced mm -hmm. like uh maybe how the original tango was sort of formed in terms of the feeling but it's using tango musical elements to i think describe a modern uh mod more modern sentiment and i think that resonates especially with uh a younger crowd that is maybe unhappy with with what they've been given you know, mm -hmm. in, in a sense. And I personally love dancing to Astigero and I performed to Astigero. <laughs> and when Julian Peralta came to Portland, I remember trying to put a bug in his ear. I said, you know, when's your dance album coming out? Because I think if he steered just a little bit in that direction, I think it would be awesome. And I think it would draw a lot of tango dancers mm -hmm. in. Um, yeah. It's pretty intense music. So for people looking for sort of a very lyrical, uh, sort of sweet sound, if that's the tango that they like, um, I, you know, Astigero is definitely not that. It's very, it's very <laughs> abrasive and very raw. But, uh, but I think it's awesome. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I think they're, you know, what Julian Peralta is. I think Julian Peralta also founded Fernando Fierro that Sumi was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. They yeah, have a center. Uh, yeah, they have a center. I don't know if it's still there, but the CAF, the Centro Atletico Fernando Fierro, that every time I would go down to Buenos Aires, I would always stop by there and full of young people, you know, drinking beer, smoking, drinking Fernet. They'd be playing the sort of heavy metal concert with gas masks and, you know, a chain link fence in, in front of the stage. Uh, kind of like if you took Pugliese and just added a real sort of angry young energy to it in orchestra typica format, you would get sort of Fernandez Fierro. I know one of the covers of their albums 
is them pushing an upright piano off of a uh, construction wedge, and there's a video of it like, being smashed. Right. You kind of get the idea of, of the vibe, but but I think mm -hmm. that, that that feeling resonates with with a certain you know demographic. Mm -hmm. Nice. I think Julian would would say that he thinks his music, a lot of his music, obviously not all of it, but a lot of it is he would consider danceable, and he wrote with uh, danceable intent. He he spent a lot of time um, playing in cumbia uh, ensembles uh, when he was younger, and he says that that feeling that he got from that of watching how what makes people want to move around um, is always a part of of a lot of his his writing and his playing. Um, what I enjoy about the, the spirit of that and of a lot of other people even who work in different styles is the recognition of the, the idea of creating new things. You know, that one time the, the traditional tangos we're referencing were also new and, and occasionally uh, disruptive and various things. Um, and so the spirit of, of, of that inspiration and certainly we have, you know, Pablo here as well who, who works on uh, all kinds of great new and sort of uh, fusion, fusional, that's, I don't know if you like that word, but, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, can, you can say whatever you want about that. Uh, I, I really enjoy that. Um, that I would say is a different, um, a different purpose than say, Cachibache, which takes, um, I, probably a lot of the dance, dancers listening might, might hear them. They take sort of a punk attitude, but really, if you listen to it, a lot of what they're playing is, is traditional tangos in more or less the same arrangement. They just happen to have an electric guitar and t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Pablo, how about you? What's your experience with this type of... Uh, um, just, I, I want to say that you guys know a lot about this and uh, it's really interesting to be talking uh, with you about it. Uh, I, I really agree with, with all of you. Um, I, I mean, I would like to add like um, on other situations uh, hmm. such as... Uh, like the instrumental, so, some musicians from Argentina, they 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 took uh, the instrumentation, um, like a quintet or, or sextet, a tango sextet or quintet, and but they wrote like a totally different music, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but you still can hear the the root of tango, uh, and that's yeah. uh, super moving for me. Interesting. Uh, I, I, I could name a few like Diego Schisi or uh, Juan Pablo Navarro. I, I could tell you a lot, a lot, <laughs> a lot of names, but um, that's super interesting too. You know, maybe those uh, those uh, projects are on the side of uh, like dancing music. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure you cannot dance to that, <laughs> even even if you try. But mm -hmm. it, it's still interesting and related because uh, it's part of uh, Buenos Aires mm -hmm. and, and the culture. You know, yeah. um, but. Um, yeah, and, and you, you can hear it here in the States mm -hmm. as, as well. There are a lot of musicians, you know, mm -hmm. uh, from Argentina, or from the States or from everywhere. And, and they do their, their thing uh, with uh, always elements from tango. So I'm, I'm really happy about it. You know, I think the, the tango is super alive. Mm -hmm. And what's happening is uh, really interesting. And uh, I hope that keeps going, you know. Yeah. What's it been like for you living in New York for what, six, seven years? You, you've learning and, and writing music and tango and things. How, what's your journey there been like? And how's that been related to the scene there that you've, you're observing? Well, for, I mean, I, I work a lot playing uh, in milongas and festivals, yeah, whatever you, you, you hear that there is. 
I, I played it. Uh, and that's, uh, that's really interesting. I really, I really, really enjoy playing for, for dancers. Uh, I think it's not easy. Uh, you, you have to, to know how to do it. But, but then uh, in, in terms of writing music, um, you, have to, you have to learn the style. And, and then you have to try to be yourself, try to be original without uh, losing, you know, the, your goal, whatever you're writing. Uh, I, I mean, New York is very interesting. It's, uh, you, you can find motivation everywhere. And I, I don't know, I don't know how to answer that question, but um, I, I could say that um, I take elements from everything I do and I, I try to uh, put it there, you know, um, without, without taking um, my, my essence. I don't, I don't know how to stay. Um, Have you noticed the, the reception to that music or world changing around you, whether it's your dance music or the, 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 within the dance culture, within scene, tango, and the things you write and who you're able to play that for? How's that changed in the last, since you've been, been there? How that changed? <clears throat> or not. Well, you know. Maybe, maybe it didn't change, you know? <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I never tried to put original stuff for you know dancers like uh, i try to avoid that but because uh, i know what they're expecting and uh, i, I want to keep working you know i, I want to keep them liking me you know <laughs> so i i i'm careful i'm careful about that mm -hmm. yeah. because uh I, I think that there is a place for everything and probably a milonga is not the best place to bring like a, an original like contemporary piece you know mm -hmm. uh, i don't know um, but uh, yes, Sumi. Adding to Pablo, exactly. You know, I'm, I'm. I need to keep getting the gigs, so you can't play. You cannot present some surprise to the dancers in Milonga. So, so what I decided to, do, I observed. Uh, I came back a year ago, so I observed a couple of months, and I figured that okay, if I need to get uh, gigs in Milongas, I need to present the real traditional music. So I did that. And it, it was a little hard at the beginning because lo some local musicians, they have their own ideas of what traditional uh, music is. So I try my best to incorporate local musicians and the musicians from Buenos Aires, from my orchestra. And then we will be able to present a real close to traditional music because we knew how to play shumba, for example. Shumba is a very, very unique rhythm that you need to know how to do it. You can't fake it. I mean, you start faking. Of course, I started to fake first, but you have to understand there are 10 different types of shumba, right? Um, so it was successful. But I did, that was not my goal as a musician. I want to present this contemporary music that I love most, you know, I, because of that I left my children, two young children, to study in Argentina. It was a lot of commitment for me. I was not there just to play around. So I wanted to present the love that I fell in love with, like this contemporary between, you know, 60, 70, 80, all the way to now. So what I do is that I actually perform separate concerts with a field with the contemporary music. So now the dancers who knows me giving the traditional music really well, they one or two or three, now 10 and 20, they're coming to my concert. And then they're discovering 
different type of tango. And uh, when my uh, professor from Barcari said, Ramiro Rupoero, bandoneonist, very, very famous one, he was, he's the pupil of Victor Lavachin, who was the, who is the last bandoneonist for, from the Pugliese. Mm. And when he came play at the concert, his own music, the dancers and the audience, they were telling me, I never imagined this bandoneon could produce this kind of music. So it was a, like a teachable moment or very good education for these dancers as well. So now I'm having two different type of group and some, some of them are in the middle. So I think as a musician, you, you have to do both, especially in America. In Argentina, yes, you can be a performing you know, concert tango musician, milonga musician, ala parisha musician. There are three different categories there. But here, I think we need to do both. I, yeah. Maybe three, and yes. that's how I. What about you, Alex? You've been playing music in this country for certainly longer than I have. I think longer than all of us. How have you seen? I mean, there was a time when we weren't talking about getting people to listen to different kinds of tango, but just to engage with live music at all. What have you seen? How have you seen the culture change over the years? I mean, my personal trajectory has been, you know, I, I played a la Parisia originally, then I started a group Conjunto Veritin, which was basically a quintet, sextet, but we were just playing a la Parisia. We did a couple albums. I got tired of playing a la Parisia. I found it kind of uh, limiting to an extent. So I went into arranging and, and composing and was trying to get, you know, the, the big orchestra sound because that's what the, you know, the dancers wanted. I, I, I like what we're, I think, well, there's several things going on. One for me, I'm a dancer first and foremost, right? I'm, I, educationally, I, I have a degree in music and physics, so I'm a musician by education, but I'm a dancer by profession. And every live music endeavor that I have personally done has always been centered around, is this danceable? So for myself personally, I have no personal interest for just myself in a contemporary concert tango trajectory. That's just me because I'm a dancer. Now I listen to a lot of contemporary tango groups and I'm, I'm familiar with these names and I love it. I would never play a lot of it at, at Milongas, but not because it's contemporary. It's because a lot of it, I find, and I think a lot of people would agree, is not danceable. So when we talk about the words like traditional versus contemporary, we should also distinguish that. I think there's something that can be contemporary and danceable. Contemporary not being synonymous with uh, extended harmonies and strange time signatures and things like that. But I think there's a contemporary sound that we haven't quite found yet that is also danceable. So whenever I'm talked about music, tango music that I'm interested in making is always, is it danceable? And sort of the other question is what's next? Because I don't think there is a, a future for danceable tango music if we keep playing and dancers keep asking for the same thing all the time you know it's like how many how many bands play darienzo's version of la comparsita at the end of the night all of them and they all mm -hmm. sound the same they're all trying to sound like darienzo and we know that that's what the dancers are familiar with and what they what they right. like and i like it too i love traditional music for, for dancing too but i think there's something that's untapped in the dance world that will make it more a living form because right now at least in the dance world it's suffering a similar fate that, that swing music and jazz did, that it's, mm -hmm. it's becoming, you know, maybe if we imagine 50, 100 years from now, it's like we're going to be at an, a historical dance society. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Unless we find something 
that's that's more alive and just being a live band even if you're playing the traditional arrangements is that it makes it a living art form but i think playing the same repertoire of of the classics all the time for the dancers at every milonga and i know that's what most of the dancers want and and mm -hmm. i love it don't get me wrong but i'm also very interested artistically in the question of what's next and is it danceable those are the two things i personally come back to and I pull from sources like, well, why, what if we extend the harmonies here? What if we do that? And I find that, that sort of the more complex and interesting it becomes musically, at the same time, it almost becomes less danceable. It's almost like a linear equation from <laughs> sort of what, what is art, artistically new and novel and, and just really cutting edge and what is danceable. It's like you can, you can, and I'm not saying dance music is simple. It's very hard to interpret and to play well. But in terms of the, harmonic language, the complexities that, you know, um, I, I think, I don't know. I don't know the solution, but I know the question <laughs> that at least I asked myself. Yeah. I think what it could help. I had this episode. Um, I tried, I really do my best to throw one contemporary pieces in Milonga. I'm trying to play my role. But even though this um, organizer, very, very nice organizer, my best friend, he said, you do not play the music tonight. If you play the music, I cannot let you start because uh, my uh, dancers were not coming. So when I hear that, it's really discouraging, right? So and when I hear, okay, I understand because he has one of the most famous milongas here. He himself is a musician, but he told me this. And I, hey, you can do that for your concert, not here. <laughs> So after that, I realized, you know what, I need to talk to maybe young organizers for the milongas, ask them a favor, maybe once a month or once every three months, please let us play some contemporary music, at least one danda or two dandas, mix with it. And that way, people are going to hear some familiar, uh, I mean, they will get familiar to these new, fresh tunes maybe, or maybe DJs can mix that. I think that's our goal. And at one point I was thinking that, you know, I'm gonna maybe throw private milongas and I let these bands play their own music. Yeah, I think like, like, like for example, at, at CAF, you know, the Fernandez Fierra's warehouse is filled with people. Not all of them are dancing, but it's filled with people. And you could argue that that's contemporary, non-danceable tango music, or you could say that there are people dancing there, but it's, a, it's attracting a crowd that also includes uh, dancing, I think a lot has to do with expectations. When you go to CAF, you know you're not going to hear Darienzo's La Cuparcita. And if they played that, people would be like, what's going on here? I want my money back. Because <laughs> But I would say for you, Sumi, or, or, or any other you know, tango musicians that are looking to play at a milonga, ask the organizer, hey, can we make an announcement that we do one short set, two or three songs, and we explain to the audience that these are modern, you might not like to dance to them, you can sit out and just listen, but this is what, what we're proposing, what we're trying. And that way it gives you a card. You're telling the dancers, we know we're going for a stretch. We know the difference between what you like or what you're used to, but also we want to just try this, you know, or maybe even holding a milonga where the expectation, where you tell people, we are only going to play contemporary, original tango compositions for dancing. Be forewarned. There will be nothing <laughs> traditional here. And you'll draw a certain crowd. A lot of people won't come and a lot of people will come. But it's at least proposing something where modern tango musicians and 
you know, a, a certain demographic of tango dancers might be able to intersect. I think you hit on two really nice points there. One, when you were talking about CAF, is the idea that tango has never been just a music or just a dance form or just any particular thing. It's always been, uh, it's been this conversation. It's been a culture and it's been a place with many entry points. It's been uh, something you hear on the radio. It's been uh, a painting form, you know, as people represent it. It's a fashion. Um, so uh, establishing events and concerts that, that provide space for people to be there, a social space um, in whatever capacity, that's not a new thing in tango. I think if anything, that is, is, a, is a, a respect for and an understanding of like sort of the, the depth of the multifaceted nature of this, this culture that is tango. And I think that's appealing both to people who've been in it for a long time and to people who are just discovering it. Because I certainly felt more comfortable when I was a younger dancer, when I could go somewhere that involved like food and a drink. And even if I wasn't gonna dance a lot, I didn't feel like I was the odd man out, you know? Yeah. Um, the next thing, the thing about managing dancer expectations, I think is crucial. I think um, coming up as, you know, playing, playing music for dancers, um, it's been important uh, for dancers literally to get used to tango not sounding like a recording from the 40s. I think that in, for a while was, was jarring to people just because it sounded, the live sound sounded so different, sounded so new. And yet, it, like in the 40s, people were listening to tango also live, it would have sounded really different than, than the recordings, you know, mm -hmm. obviously, right? And yet that's so much a part of, of just the sort of sonic sphere that dancers are used to responding to. It affects the articulations, it affects everything else. So I think what I've seen in the last few years, and this goes to playing traditional music in milongas, is people literally getting used to the feeling of live music playing these songs that they sort of know. So they kind of know what to expect, but then they can also just like acclimatize themselves to like the, the feeling of, of breathing and, and the, the ebb and flow of songs is, and slight variety that happens in person. And then I think, you know, for me and my bands, I've always found it best to play like in tandas and, and other things just so people knew what to expect and were comfortable. Then I could take that form and wiggle it a little bit. So like I recently played uh, before we all got shut down in our houses. Um, we had a, a concert before the Malanga where we played some Peralta, we played some smaller pieces, then we played the Malanga, and then as a, an encore to the Malanga, uh, to, to our last Tanda, which, and I, I usually start with really specific kind of Darienzo-ish feelings because people can get used to the beat of our orchestra and then get more used to the sound. And then by the end, I even played a Peralta as a, um, as an encore, which then a lot of the people had heard in the concert earlier that day, so they kind of knew it. It was in an, as an encore, so it was like already something kind of extra, and it was a high energy, it was a very danceable um, tune. And people were super excited, and they were dancing and moving around. And it was just because they'd gotten used to the sound, the expectations were managed, and that was really, it was fun to see that progression. You were, you were taking them along with you, you know. And I think it's something that that dancer, that musicians in this country have been working on for the last five or six years is sort of the normalization of that music. New York's always had a certain amount of live music, but I've I've seen a big shift in interest in in different communities that I that I visit. You know? I think it depends on community, depends on organizer, depends on milieu. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, very interesting stuff. So I want to get a little personal with all, all of you. What's your personal practice regimen like as a, as a musician? Uh, Pablo, we'll start with you. Well, 
that's a <laughs> tough question. Right now, um, everything is different. You know, with this situation, we are all in. My practice has been reduced uh, considerably because um, <clears throat> right now my wife is working at home mm. and I'm taking care of my my four-year-old kid. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm a full full-time babysitter, you know, and then um, <laughs> I may have like two hours of practice a day and that's it. I, I don't have any more time to practice or to write music. And that's it. Mm -hmm. But I'm taking it easy, you know, just mm. one day at a time. Yeah. But usually when in, in normal times, yeah. uh, I used to, to practice more, uh, maybe three or four hours a day. Maybe a day I, I don't practice because I have to write something or do an arrangement or whatever, but now it's different, you know, yeah. but yeah. it's okay. It's okay. okay. Alex, how about you? What's your personal regimen like? <laughs> well, I guess now I'm in a similar boat as, as Pablo, but I can mm. just use that as an excuse. I have uh, two boys at home and again, I'm, I'm maybe in a different boat than, than Pablo or Sumi or I don't, I'm not sure a Max's situation, but playing tango music for me has been has been a hobby, not a profession. Mm -hmm. And I, I applaud any any tango musician trying to make a living playing tango, as it, I, I think it's difficult. You know, it's not a it's not a popular art form. It's a very uh, well popular amongst tango dancers. But <laughs> but if you go out on the street and say, hey, you know, what do you think of of la jumba? Nobody know will know what you're talking about. <laughs> So it's difficult to find an audience, you know, mm -hmm. when you play at a milonga, you know, dancers don't want to pay $40 to go to a milonga to hear live music necessarily, mm -hmm. maybe at a festival, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's, the, there's an economics problem that, mm -hmm. that was less so, I think, in, when tango was at its height in, in Buenos Aires. Mm -hmm. uh, money was good, the finances were good. So, so I've been fortunate to be in tango as a dancer and teacher and to have my studio here. Yeah. Uh, and to be able to do music sort of as a luxury. Now, the downside to that is initially when I started learning bandoneon, I was practicing hours and hours a day. <laughs> and then once I had a band and had kids and mm -hmm. whatnot, it, it just, it's, it's hard to justify uh, spending that much time because really it's a matter of, I can practice bandoneon, but that means spending less time with family. Yeah, or I can practice bandoneon or do whatever I do CD. But now I'm something has to give, you know. Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, when you have when you own a studio and you have a family and you and you have other projects and the pressure is not on to earn a living from that, it becomes hard to justify mm -hmm. practicing as much. So I'm very much engaged in the process. I know my limitations. I wish uh, I had hours a day to practice and also the, you know that desire to practice six hours a day but the honest answer is I, I don't have the time and even if I did have the time it's it's not my it's not my profession so yeah. it's good and bad in that I've had the luxury to be able to really only do musical projects that I really want to and I can turn stuff down and not do stuff and so mm -hmm. I'm not playing wedding gigs so to speak you know <laughs> or I'm not I'm not doing any I'm not involved with musical projects that I'm that I'm not not interested at all because I need to put food on the table so I'm really speaking from a point of privilege and luxury mm -hmm. around that you know and as a result I'm I'm not practicing as much as I would or or would want to but I'm still very engaged in the process and Great. and and collaborating you know mm -hmm. so Sumi how about you um 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I have a 11 and 9 years old kid. Oh, wow. So, I, as you, other parents probably experience the same thing, homeschooling has been so difficult. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> 24-7, and uh, <laughs> I have my a father, actually, who's um, going through the radiology treatment mm. for his cancer. So, mm. I'm his uh, guardian, so I have to take care of him every day. Mm -hmm. But I try to find the time, and I also teach. I have to, this is my main income, and mm -hmm. as uh, Alex probably mentioned, that I also, um, this is not gonna pay for all my expenses. So I mm -hmm. also work different non-musical related work mm -hmm. at night and whenever I can. So practice-wise, I, it's so hard to find the time as a parent. Mm -hmm. And uh, when, when my kids' uh, father takes care of them, um, two, three days a week, I try to do my other work and take care of my dad and all the hospital arrangements during the day. But at night time, I use my digital piano with oh, my okay. head. I practice until like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., whenever I can. And only later I realized that I will keep practicing during this quarantine time. I need to set the concert. So I've been putting the live concerts once every two weeks, once every three weeks. And I push myself to practice. And I now, while I'm cooking with my headset, <laughs> I listen to some seminars like uh, Ignacio Bartevsky, mm -hmm. very famous uh, bando uh, bahista, a bassist, and he's a director of our orchestra. He has a great uh, fundamental of tango seminar for the dancers. And I think every single musician also should listen to that. It's not only for dancers. So I'm listening to that. So I try to learn more things or refresh my memories. And I take online Spanish class five days a week. Wow. Wow. With a tutor because <laughs> I don't want to lose this Spanish. So I do my best, but it's not perfect. But uh, I do what I can. Um, wow. And I know you guys cannot practice at night. So I have a <laughs> <laughs> So, so Max, you're the only non-parent here. How, uh, how it's your? Uh... I, can't, I can't imagine having kids having kids doing this. I, I spend my days uh, teaching online the students I used to see in person, and I see into the houses of all these families, and everyone has has the same story. Everyone is mm. is working hard, and I'm like feeling totally, you know, down and busy and tired all the time. I can't imagine having being responsible for people. So. Uh, hats off to you for that. I see. Yeah, my son's not born yet, but I do have a little dog. So, uh, that, <laughs> so yeah, so I get my work done really late at night while he's asleep and my wife's asleep. And yeah. <laughs> so another kind of thing in terms of a personal style, how, how has your personal playing style changed over the years? For me, just real quick, I'm, sure. I'm more com comfortable with the instrument now just by mm. knowing where the notes are and how to phrase. And so <laughs> I'm less concerned about there are the notes, which finger do I play on the bandoneon? Uh, so that frees me up to, to, to be more musical, mm -hmm. but I don't know if I really have enough, I don't know if I'm really that good to say that I have a personal playing style that has, that has changed, I've just become more comfortable with the instrument and I don't stress out about it as much. Well, you talked about making the shift from Parisia to more uh, written out arrangements and things. That's yeah, but that's more like, uh, maybe less to do with my playing and more to do with my sort of like um, where I wanted the band to go. It's more a band leader 
stylistic change, I guess, than a personal playing. I mean, I don't think I, I don't I don't prefer playing legato over staccato now or something on the instrument, but uh, but the band has changed over time. Abel, how about you? Um, well, in my case, um, I was thinking about it. It's hard to answer that. Um, <laughs> but I guess in, in terms of like tango music, I developed like uh, the Parisha style a lot. Like I, I learned a lot of tunes and uh, different different versions of each tune. Uh, because sometimes, uh, at least here in New York, uh, there is no time for rehearsals or anything. And you, you have to know the tunes mm. and, you know, go to the gig and, and do your best. And I think that really helped me at, uh, at the moment of playing an arrangement as well, because I really know the songs, you know, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you're playing a La Parisha, but you really know the version, you know, the exact mm -hmm. version. So I, I think um, to sum it up, I think it's like I, I'm more comfortable with the style. I know a little more about it and that, that makes me more free, you know, to be focused on, on more, more stuff uh, in, gener in more general stuff while I'm playing and not only on the, on the song itself. You had a great album that came out, what, a year or so ago? Eclectico? How would yeah. you describe that? uh that album the style of that well the, that's um yeah it's gonna be a year actually on, on the 31st um yeah my my album um i i can't i can't say that it's a a lot related to tango you know uh it's only related to tango because i'm from argentina well and you uh, had other tango musicians playing on it too yeah 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 the band they are all argentinians and Yes, you have some pieces and some elements from tango, but it's uh, it's not a tango album, not a contemporary tango album or anything. But yes, you um, it has a, a piazzola style piece, I'm, at least my version of a piazzola style piece, you know. And then some other elements. You have a waltz. You have other stuff. But yes, I, I, as I was saying at the beginning, you know, uh, I I try to be personal to um, to be sincere with myself and write what has inspired me and without keeping the focus of who who I am and where I'm coming from you know um, I know that that's um, hard to maybe understand I mean or those are not the the right words to explain it but it is true like I was trying to be myself and it came a, a very eclectic album because it has uh, diff different songs, different styles. But uh, that's part of me because I play a lot of styles of music. You know, I I have a jazz background. I I mean, I played in a reggae band when I was a teenager. I mean, I did a lot of stuff. So all of the things I did are a part of me. And I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be myself. You know, um, I think it's important to to write uh, whatever you want. Uh, I mean, you have to make it to be connected, but um, you have to be who you are. Yeah, it's just kind of funny. I just, you know, talking about playing a la parilla. So it's kind of funny how we have four of you on the neon bass, piano, cello. Like if I, if we, you know, if I were to magically transport all of you here with your instruments and you all just started playing. Now, have you, you haven't all played with each other or met with each other, right? No. 
Yeah, so well, I play with Max. Yeah, you play with Max. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, but like if I, I were to throw the four of you together to start, say, playing uh, like Pugliese's version of uh, Recuerdo, would you just start going into it or would there be some sort of discussion beforehand? Or how would, well, that, for, how would that work? For those people that are watching and maybe don't know what a la parisia is, a la parisia is a way of playing tango music where there's no arrangement. It's like you throw the meat on the grill, literally a la parisia on the grill, and it comes out how it comes out. So mm -hmm. you say, okay, we're going to play el choclo and D, and you count it off and you go. And what happens, happens. That is, I think, a la parisia. When you say, okay, we're going to play Pugliese's Recuerdo, mm -hmm. you're already saying, we're going to play Pugliese's version or arrangement and by it being an arrangement, it's not really a la Parisia anymore. I mean, uh, you could play like, hey, let's let's do this a la Parisia. So it kind of sounds like Pugliese's version, or there might be Pugliese version moments. Like like Pablo is saying, the more versions you hear, mm -hmm. the more that might influence the a la Parisia. But really, a la Parisia, you'd say, you know, El Choclo, one, two, three, let's go, boom. And you just start playing, and you listen to each other, and it's a becomes an improvised conversation like you would in the dance. There's dance, a language yeah. in the dance. Mm -hmm. There's a language of a la parisha. We know how to, we know the, the rhythms, the marcado and the syncopas. There's, there's a language, like when you put jazz musicians together and you say, okay, we're going to play summertime. They don't need to sit down and discuss 10 hours how to play summertime unless they're making an album or an arrangement. You mm -hmm. say, go, it's like a jam session. And everyone knows summertime. If you're a jazz musician, you know how to play summertime and you just play and it could get weird or it could be normal or, and, and that depends on the personalities in the room. So, mm -hmm. so this is a la Parisia. So I don't know, Pugliese's Recuerdo a la Parisia. I think as musicians, we're all familiar with that, but mm -hmm. you say do that a la Parisia, maybe what you're meaning is that we're trying to play that arrangement from memory in a moment together, which yeah. I personally would not be able to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very familiar with that version, but I haven't practiced that on my bandolion. Can, but can we play another one? <laughs> I don't but know that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> my very first uh, tango piano teacher, and uh, he's yeah. your friend now, Pablo Estigaribia, always mm. told me. I, when I got to, when I was in America, it was so important. I just stayed here maybe three months after I discovered tango, but those three months, everybody was telling me that if you don't know how to play the parisha, you're not a real musician. It's like, not hmm, true. okay, all right. And I went to conservatory and I thought like, you know, I think I know how to play things if I, I can copy, but I hear. So after that, I went to Argentina and they're saying that, no, uh, Horacio Salga never play uh, La Parisha. Victor Lavashen never played uh, Arisha, and um, Victor is my maestro. He told me, like, you know, I'm not that I don't like those type of playing because it's not tight. But I also see, like, this is so cool. You can just <laughs> play any music with the musicians that you never met. So I also took some lessons. Mm -hmm. with uh, Juan Pablo Gallardo, another very good uh, La Parisha musician, and uh, Adrian Elique, he's very good as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, Pablo Sicaria told me that, Sumi, a La Parisha is not like a real, real improvisation. He said, it's a prepared improvisation based on the music that you already know. 
And sometimes you're not maybe playing syncopas at the same time, but because you're listening to each other, you will change quickly to someone's lead. And I think that's so attractive to me because you're, you really need to listen even closer and uh, like give and take this energy. Okay, you did that, I'm gonna do this. You know? mm -hmm. So I, I like it a lot and I would love to play a Barisha one day with all of you. <laughs> that would be very cool. That would be very cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, what are some new projects you're working on, or perhaps some new experimentations that you're that you have in the works? I know for time me, is tight these days. <laughs> yeah. For me, um, now I see. I, I always wanted to write uh, my own music, but there mm. was I was uh, waiting for people to kind of pay attention to my what I do. Because if mm. I start showing up, showing up with my own music, nobody will listen to me. <laughs> so I was waiting to the really good traditional music, and I brought many Argentinian musicians who plays good contemporary tango. Um, like, um, and then now I want to make my own music, including my forte, classical music and Asian music. So my ultimate goal with my tango music is probably I want to penetrate the um, audience, like who actually are not dancer, but who actually listen to jazz or bossa nova or classical music, I want, or flamenco. Because mm -hmm. in SF Jazz, I'm a member. Every time when I go there, big bossa nova musicians come, like Chucho Valdez come, and the flamenco, Diego Sigala, it's mm -hmm. filled. I never seen one good tango musicians there. And they're great maestros in uh, Buenos Aires. Like, Great, great people um, like Juan Pablo uh, Navarro, uh, Diego Skishis. I think they can so be in the SFJS. Mm -hmm. So yeah. my goal is to make this music to be available for just regular people, just public, not only Milonga people, not only tango lovers. So mm -hmm. that's what I want to do. And my immediate project is going to be working with uh, seniors but right now. Realistically speaking, for another year or two, I don't think we will have a big band playing together because mm. um, I don't economically it doesn't make sense for the organizers, right? Mm. And I don't think we can throw a big contemporary concerts. And so I'm gonna work with the singers. It's gonna be two or maybe three pieces band uh, with the contra uh, contrabass, and uh, let's see how it goes. Pablo, how about you? Any new things, new, new, new album in the works, perhaps? <laughs> uh, and it was in the works. Now it's on pause, you know, on until pause. Yeah. I can start writing again. Uh, but the, the last uh, project I was involved in, it was um, a collective group that we, we put up together with other musicians from, from New York, mm -hmm. um, all tango musicians. And we did um, a series of uh, videos uh, we did our recording in a studio and we filmed everything. It, it's called Colectivo Tangente. Um, mm. And it's all contemporary tango. And yeah, we, we, we got together because uh, each of us had a project. I mean, it, it wasn't like a, per, a personal project. You know, I have my group, the other guys have their own and we, we didn't have the, 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 the energy or the resources to put another group, another tango group. So we, we got together and we started this collective thing. And we were about to play, you know, like 
three or four gigs when everything got canceled. So oh, yeah. let's see. Let's see what happens next year. Mm. Yeah. Those were great yeah. videos. I enjoyed enjoyed this. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Alex, how about you? Yeah. So uh, I mean, the most exciting thing for me is my my regular pianist uh, Andrew Oliver. He moved to London six years ago. Mm. So he was kind of my artistic co-pilot. Let's say we would have lunch and compose together and arrange and just a really good working relationship and we kind of inspired each other. He moved to London and we said we'd do things remotely, but turns out it's possible, but it's not the same. Yeah. So he's moving back actually to Portland in a week. Oh, uh, nice. For six years and we have, we've composed, um, we've composed some tang original tangos with uh, English lyrics. So we're mm -hmm. gonna go into the recording studio as soon as we can or one by one in the recording studio, whatever we can get those recorded. Um, the motivation for that is just getting non-native Spanish speakers to to maybe have tango resonate a little more with them by understanding maybe the lyrics and by maybe let's say preserving the tango feel but updating the content so it's uh, you know fewer people are interested in horse racing these days and, and things <laughs> or other things but the feeling remains the same mm -hmm. um, just different things. So updating the lyrics, putting them in English. Mm -hmm. I think this sort of quasi new genre of tango music videos is really interesting, especially now with everyone locked down. I think, you know, <laughs> that like the Romantica Milonguera and Cachivache have been doing. It's a nice way to, again, try to maybe, let's say, popularize mm -hmm. tango now, get it out to a larger audience rather than you know, it's like, how do we get more people dancing? How do we get more people listening to tango music? And mm -hmm. um, so I think that's kind of the motivating. But yeah, we're going to get in the recording studio as, as soon as we can and hopefully have a music video, fun music video to go with it. But tango's in English. Awesome. Awesome. Nice. Good. Max, how about you? Um, well, uh, you know, it's so weird these days in, in the quarantine to, to, to talk about that. You can, you can hope. Um, uh, I have a new duo with Annie Solera I've talked about on a previous uh, podcast mm -hmm. with you. Right. Um, she's, we, and we're, I really like what Sumi said about sort of um, take, uh, take, bringing tango music in, in, in other places where I think it will, it could be very successful and very popular and, and be an avenue. Um, and, and that frees us up. We, in the, as the duo, we actually feel very versatile rather than playing with a large orchestra. We can play, uh, we we did a video of Shostakovich. Uh, we can do, we played for a, an opera, a local opera company here of Carmen earlier in the year, um, and, and we really feel like we can engage with um, new composers. We have a project hopefully um, involving a lot of new composers, um, and 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 do that kind of thing um, with my with my orchestra. Uh, so that was Arco Iade with my orchestra, the Decapo Tango. Um, before all of this, I, you know, that's the kind of thing we really focus on playing for dancers and I would like that to be in other places too, but that's something I do love. I love dancing myself and working in that field. And I had been starting to move towards really only hosting events, organizing events myself, um, in order to make it, um, sort of viable for everyone involved and using a larger orchestra and bringing in, um, people from around the country. So I was functioning more as like an arts organization working with nonprofits to do some fundraising and things to make that work. And then in order to feel, uh, I wanted to present not just Malangas, but sort of larger days of tango. Mm -hmm. We'll see kind of how and when we can 
start doing that again. Now that's that's really the one of the saddest parts of of my yeah. year. We felt really we had momentum <laughs> in that direction and yeah, yeah. Awesome. Okay. I know some of you got to run. So in the last few minutes, uh, where can we find out more about you all online? So Sumi, we'll start with you. You can check on my Facebook. It's a Sumi Lee dash, uh, Sumi Lee dash pianist, or I have on my own website, Sumi Lee.com. And if you're listening and uh, if you want to take any piano lessons, I offer online. Um, I really need to keep, my piano studio going so you can check out all my background profiles a youtube video you can see my students performance video so i'm here all right awesome alex how about you uh well my website is tangoberretin.com but if you can't spell that alextango.com will get you there and uh, the albums are available there and uh uh the albums are under different names. There's the Conjunto Veritin, Alex mm. Krebs Tango Sextet, Alex Krebs uh, Tango Quartet, New York Tango Jam Session, and What the Tango. So <laughs> many different band right. names. If you just search, oh, it's all available on Spotify too. So if listeners have Spotify and they want to search it. But if you search for Alex Krebs, you're only going to get about a quarter of, of what, what I've recorded over the last I guess, 17 years or so. Mm. <laughs> awesome. All right, Pablo, how about you? Where do you find you can, you? you can find me on Facebook, uh, Pablo Lanuger, mm -hmm. or I, on my website, pablolanuger.com. And yeah, my music is everywhere and on every major platform. So Great. Great. Max? Da uh, Capo Tango. Uh, you can mm -hmm. search for that on Facebook or um, Arco y Aire, that's the duo. Um, and you can check out my radio show, Bienvenido al Tango, WWD, on Facebook as well. Awesome, great. All right, well, folks, thank you all so much. I feel we could talk music all day long, but I know we've got a lot of, uh, a lot of things going on in life. So really appreciate you all taking the time. Thank you all so much for, for sharing your thoughts. And I think this will be really fun for, for the audience. And I'll have all of your... Uh, web information, URLs, all that stuff in our show notes so people will be able to look you up and uh, yeah, learn more about you. Thanks, Joe. Thank you so much for Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and a big thanks for Max. It was Max's idea to have, a, to have live streams and, and multiple people here. So that was... Uh, Thank you very much, Max, for putting that idea in my head. <laughs> so. I just want to hear from all these guys. Everyone's yeah. been doing such interesting things lately, you know? Yeah, great. <laughs> Maybe cool. we can put some uh, live music show once. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd good be fun. Idea. Yeah, well, we can we can try that and yeah, we'll stay in touch. All right. Okay. okay. So Take care, everybody. Right, bye. Bye, guys. Thank you. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>